Hello, everyone. It's Dr. Karen Yerkew, and thank you for joining me for today's book reading on back pain. This is a book that I worked on for years from uh, an idea of writing a book to a rough draft to finally completing the book. And um, I would say I worked on this pretty intensely over uh, a year period from 2018 to 2019, but really some of the writing started as early as 2015. When I completed the book, it was very rewarding to be able to hand it out to people around me that supported me, uh, to my staff and my patients, and, and just share it in the greater community. After 25 years of helping people with their back pain, it was great to share the different stories and conditions that um, I have seen, and hopefully it will uh, help people to heal their back pain and be able to do the things they love to do again. Today I'm reading from the draft of the second edition, which is a work in progress right now. We hope to have this done in the next few months where there'll be some upgrades to the first version of back pain and uh, the book um, will have some uh, additional chapters and then there may be some content that we remove from the book. So I'm going to be giving you the, um, the latest version of the book Back Pain, and I'll include the links um, in, in the uh, show notes for you if you want to go ahead and get that book on Amazon. It's um, in Kindle version, it's in paperback, and then you can get the audio version as well. During the reading, I'll turn off the video at times uh, and then turn it back on. And then I'm going to read a few chapters today for you so you get an idea of what the book is like. Chapter 1, Introduction. Back pain and the common cold are the top reasons for doctor visits. Indeed, in my clinic over the past 26 years, back pain is the number one reason people come to see me. I believe that each patient's circumstances are unique and each condition needs to be treated differently. Patients may need different treatment plans to correct their back problems. In this book, I will share my experience treating different causes of back pain. Patients initially are taken through a complete history, examination, testing, and then diagnosed correctly. Then we begin the process of treatment, which includes going through phases of care, including relief, correction, and maintenance. Patients increasingly take responsibility for their health as the treatment progresses. I believe educating the patient is essential for better self-care and to make better health decisions long-term. Patients also need to understand their symptoms and what their symptoms are telling them about their back condition. I know patients initially just want pain relief when they come to my clinic, but the pain is just the tip of the iceberg. Pain is a clue that there's something else much important, much more important causing it. And the sooner the patient pays attention to that pain and the underlying problem, the better. The faster I can start working on back pain when it presents, the better the chances of stopping future reoccurrences in spinal degeneration, otherwise known as osteoarthritis. Back pain can have far-reaching effects on general health. The spine is the core of the body, and problems in the spine can affect the nerve flow going through the spinal cord. Also, muscles around the spine, discs between the bones, and nerves that come out of the spine are affected by poor posture and spinal misalignment. 
misalignments can lead to many other health problems in the tissues and organs connected to the spine through the nerve roots. A poorly aligned spinal segment, which chiropractors call a subluxation, can interfere with the nerve flow and cause a variety of health conditions because the nerves are powerful. The nerves allow communication, energy, and electricity to travel between the brain and every cell, organ, and tissue in the body. The spine plays a vital role in protecting the vital spinal cord, but also allows us to move, bend, and twist. We depend on a healthy spine and nervous system to work, play sports, go for walks, garden, and all the things we love to do. And we expect to do those activities long-term and be pain-free. Back pain and spinal decay can cause severe complications to a person's health and well-being. If spinal health is poor, it can lead to disability over time. Disability can lead to loss of work, enjoyment in life, feeling down and depressed. Patients try to cope and often turn to self-medication. Some try to crack their own backs for relief. Some try different types of treatment only to have the pain come back again and get discouraged with the results. Some patients have given up on living a normal and healthy life, but there is hope. Finding the cause and correcting it restores the patient's ability to live again. It allows the patient to work, do activities with loved ones, enjoy hobbies, and stay active in sports. This book details the average patient's journey in my clinic from chronic back pain to healing and wellness. So in this introductory chapter, what I am sharing with the reader is basically the types of back conditions that we see in the clinic uh, what the ramifications are of the conditions, and then what we can do to help people to get back on track and get their lives back. So we've seen many cases of this, and the longer the back pain goes on, the more difficult it gets to treat. And there's some uh, wear and tear or spinal degeneration that happens along the way called osteoarthritis. So we wanted to lay out what we're going to be talking about in the book, in this first chapter. Now in chapter five, I wanted to share arthritis with the reader because arthritis is a common condition we see in the clinic, especially osteoarthritis. And I wanted to explain what osteoarthritis is and then how we can help people with that condition. So I'm gonna read this chapter to you now. Chapter five, arthritis. Arthritis is something that I see in the clinic every day. The word arthritis comes from arthron, meaning joint, and itis, which is a disease or inflammation of a joint. Inflammation is a common reaction to the body being injured and needing repair. If joints are out of place and inflamed, they are prime candidates to break down and develop arthritis over time. There are different types of arthritis, namely osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, and psoriatic arthritis, which are the most common types. If the joints in the spine are breaking down, that is called osteoarthritis. Some patients think that osteoarthritis is part of healthy and normal aging. That would mean that everyone who is 40, 50, or 60 years old would have a spine that looked the same on x-ray, but that is not true. I see a wide variety of spinal conditions in people of all ages. I have seen 30-year-old spines look twice their age. Age does play a part in the healing process as it takes longer to heal the older the patient is. There is more chance of injury the longer you live. And with the slowing of the repair process, 
it will be more difficult to recover. But all hope is not lost, and the patient does not have to learn how to live with their condition and accept that they are getting old because they have arthritis. Yet many patients have been told that they have arthritis, they must learn to live with their condition as it's a normal part of the aging process, which is not true. A good analogy for the arthritic process is the alignment of a car. If the car is out of alignment, then the tires and the wheel joints will wear out unevenly. One side of the car will wear out faster than the other side. The joints may begin to squeak and rub. The tires will wear bald on one side faster than the other. The example described above happened to me years ago when I took my car in for an oil change. After the oil change was complete, the mechanic asked me to come over because he had something to show me. He showed me the wear and tear on the tires on the right compared to the left and said there must be an alignment issue with the car because the tread was far less on one side compared to the other. So in this chapter on arthritis, we're just laying out the different types and then we are uh, talking about the typical diagnosis of arthritis and sometimes what people are told as far as accepting their condition um, and kind of giving into it rather than taking a proactive approach and um, improving on their condition and understanding um, what is causing their condition and how a chiropractor could help that. Now in chapter nine, we're talking about discs and discs are a common, uh, that's a common diagnosis in the clinic. Having some disc involvement, uh, a disc that's bulging or touching a nerve is something that um, uh, many people are diagnosed with and know about. So I'm gonna read from this chapter now on discs and how we approach that um, in the clinic. So chapter nine, discs. The discs in the spine are like jelly donuts. They have a tougher outer layer and a fluid-filled center. The outer fibers of the disc are ligamentous and attach strongly into the bones above and below via Sharpie's fibers. Discs work as shock absorbers in the spine. They cushion the impact of physical strain and compression on the body. Discs do not slip like some patients believe. They are not like hockey pucks that slip in between bones. They are well anchored and attached to the bones. They can, however, bulge to one side when squished unevenly. If a person has a misalignment in the spine, that can cause a disc to bulge. It would be like taking your hands and pressing on a jelly donut unevenly. If the disc is bulging and now the patient repetitively twists, moves, and bends, the dough can stretch and tear, and then the liquid could push into the dough. That would cause a fluid pocket in the dough. If that went further over time, the dough could continue to tear and the fluid move right through the dough and out of the donut. That would leave the jelly donut with less volume and then the dough would squish together. The problem with the above scenario is the space between the bones is only so high and if the disc becomes irregular and then the material compresses on one side, that can narrow the space for the nerve to come out of the spine. This can pinch or trap the nerve and cause pain and disability. My goal is to catch the disc bulge as soon as possible, and then I wanna realign the segments above and below the disc so the disc material is more concentric or evenly shaped, and thus it's restored. So in this chapter, we're talking about discs and how discs work, 
and how they become irregularly shaped and how a disc bulge can touch the nerve or narrow the canal uh, for the nerve root. I think in the second edition, it would be nice to add uh, a, a graphic image so people can actually see what that looks like. But in the first edition, basically we wanted to um, be descriptive with text. But for the second edition, it's something we're thinking of as adding some graphic images um, of the anatomy so people can understand that better, as well as things like stretches and the right position to do those stretches in and proper posture, things like that. One of the more popular questions in the clinic and when I'm speaking to groups is what causes the cracking noise? Some people actually like that sound. Other people uh, cringe when they hear that cracking sound. Uh, you may have seen it in movies or um, read about it in books, but um, if you've experienced it, you know that that uh, cracking noise when you get an adjustment actually feels, it feels good. It's like a pressure release. But to people who haven't had an adjustment before, uh, they may not uh, know and be quite fearful of what that noise represents. So in this chapter, chapter 20, I wanted to describe what the cracking noise was and um, put people at ease as far as uh, going to the chiropractor and getting some uh, chiropractic treatment. So chapter 20, the cracking noise. The cracking noise you hear when you get an adjustment is called cavitation. What causes cavitation is when the volume of the capsules increase, the fluid and gas like nitrogen, oxygen, and carbon dioxide shift to form gas bubbles. This is temporary. The pop is not significant to the treatment outcome, but sometimes a patient associates the pop with a good adjustment. I like to educate patients about adjustments and how the body works so they understand that moving the bones in the spine into the right place produces relief and restores function. Some techniques do not produce a popping noise, but are just as effective as the ones that do. For example, an instrument adjustment does not produce a cracking noise, but it does move the bone and is just as successful as a hands-on adjustment. I use a technique that pops up one piece on the table to drop down as I adjust. And most of the time there's no noise from the joint when that's done, but it is beneficial. There's another sound in the joints called crepitus, which is different. It is more like a crackling noise when you move a body part. Crepitus is not significant, and I tell patients not to worry about the sound. Checking the underlying alignment and function is essential, but not the sound itself. Bones can sometimes rub over bones and cause a noise when you move. That sound can happen uh, quite often in the scapula or the shoulder blade area, when the scapula glides over the ribs. Sometimes patients are concerned about that noise and will often demonstrate this movement for me in the clinic, causing the noise to be reproduced. I tell them not to worry about that, but don't try to reproduce the sound as the friction can lead to irritation of the tissues. Then inflammation develops, causing the area to become uncomfortable and sore. Poor posture can lead to poor mechanics in an area. Slouching, is a significant cause of the scapula being pulled forward on the ribs. Then the ribs can start to rub against the scapula. To correct this, I work on the alignment and the posture with the patient so that the body parts are in place and have lots of room to move, relieving any points of friction and sounds that may develop because of that. The two noises I described above are much different 
from the sounds when you break a bone. If you've ever broken a bone, the sound made from a bone breaking is much different than a crack or a pop. It is more like a snap or different from the sounds described above. Another characteristic sound is a clunking sound that we, that severely arthritic patients experience. The clunk is from instability in the joint and sounds terrible. Luckily, I don't have too many patients progress to the latter stages of osteoarthritis where the clunking sound happens. So in chapter 21, I wanted to talk about uh, not cracking your own back. And this is another common question that people often ask me in the clinic is, should I crack my own back or my boyfriend cracks his own back? Is that okay? And it, it is something that I have to address with patients and why seeing a chiropractor is different than cracking your own back. So I'm going to read that to you here in uh, chapter 21. Chapter 21, don't crack your back. This is a good time to talk about cracking your own back. Don't do it. It may feel better temporarily from the endorphin release associated with the crack, but that only helps the pain for about 20 minutes or so. If you keep doing that just for the endorphin release, then you'll become dependent on that chemical release in the body to feel good. But the bones are not getting realigned in the right place to correct the problem. If you need a professional, you need a professional to do that for you. Even chiropractors need chiropractic care when they have misalignments and subluxations in their body. Don't crack your back also applies to any joint in the body, including your knuckles and your neck, which seem to be the other areas that people like to crack on their own but it can lead to instability and reinforcement of the poor position of the bones. Also, the compression from doing the adjustment wrong can cause damage to the joint and the cartilage eventually. I think that is why your grandma may have told you not to crack your knuckles as you'll get arthritis. It is from doing the adjustments wrong when the body may not need it that can cause that process. You may be compressing the joints, causing trauma and begin the arthritic process. The joint may be in place and no adjustment is necessary. I remember my first year in chiropractic college and having a shoulder problem called a rotator cuff from lifting weights in the gym. The weightlifting was pinching the tendon in the shoulder, causing pain lifting my arm over my head. Some of the pain radiated up into my neck area. If I slept on my shoulder at night, the pain in my shoulder woke me up. I was losing some sleep at night because of the pain. I went to the clinic at the school to get help. The doctors and clinicians there told me that they would be able to correct the rotator cuff problem, but I needed to stop cracking my back and my neck in that area. It was a bad habit that I developed over time to cope with the pain and the achy feeling in my joints. It took a lot of willpower to resist cracking my neck at the beginning of care, but as I got adjustments, the relief became noticeable and I started to feel better and better. It became easier and easier not to crack my own joints until Eventually, I didn't do it at all. In chapter 24, I talk about posture and how important posture is to our alignment, to our joint function, to the nerve flow and the muscle around the spine. So really posture is important for the whole body. And in this chapter, I wanted to explain to the reader uh, what good posture is and what they can do to avoid common pitfalls regarding posture. Chapter 24, posture is important. 
Posture is important. If patients want better function and alignment of their back, then it's important to focus on posture. If you look at the spine left to right, it should be straight down the middle. But if you look at the spine front to back, it should have four curvatures that intersect a plumb line drawn straight down the side of the body. From front to back, the most common misalignment that I see is the head forward in a text neck position, which flattens the upper forward cervical curve in the spine and then causes an increased curve in the upper back that looks like more of a rounded back with the bones sticking out where the neck and shoulders meet. If the poor posture continues, I see the spine degenerating and wearing out faster than it would, which is a condition called arthritis. People can appear to be stiff and have forward leaning posture. The changes in alignment cause discs to get squished on one side of the spine and for that side to wear out faster than the other side. As we discussed in the arthritis chapter, the wear and tear on the spine is called spinal degeneration and can be seen on x-ray. I want to do my best to correct the poor posture for the patient. I will give patients postural exercises during care and tips on checking their alignment. They can look in the mirror and check the landmarks in the body being level, like their head, shoulders, hips, and feet. Also, I give them quick postural resets that they can do at work or at home, like pulling their shoulder blades down to reset the upper rib cage and get the head back in alignment with the shoulder. Posture can also be affected by the quality of the bones. If the bones lose calcium, then they can become weak. At the start of this process, this is called osteopenia, but it can progress to something called osteoporosis. This makes the bones brittle and they can start to compress and collapse more in the front of the spine than the back part of the spine. The forward compression causes the bones to look more like wedges over time instead of squares. This causes the back to round more excessively in the mid-back and the upper back becomes arched. I've seen many patients with osteopenia and osteoporosis over the years. My goal is to correct the patient's posture and give them advice on how to strengthen their bones through their diet and increase their activity levels to make the bones stronger. In the book, I wanted to include some lifestyle changes that patients could do on their own. So I started chapter 29 off with lifestyle changes and then got into specific lifestyle changes in the subsequent chapters. I'm gonna read for you chapter 29 just as an introduction and um, you can read the subsequent chapters in the book uh, if, you, if you choose to do that. So chapter 29, lifestyle changes. In the corrective phase, I will start a discussion with the patient on what they need to do to improve their lifestyle. Quite often the patient needs extra help to make lifestyle changes. They first need to be made aware of the challenges and then a plan must be put in place. Action needs to be taken to make changes and finally there needs to be accountability to complete the changes. This is where the extra time on the phone can be beneficial. Phone consultations, and I'm gonna add a little footnote here. Now we're using telehealth quite a bit, which is kind of like Zoom, but it's a secure connection, which allows us to work with patients either one-on-one -on -one or in a group. Uh, can be very good for a way of giving patients instructions and holding them accountable to the work they need to be doing. This can help also to keep the patient on track and if they're away on business or a holiday it can serve to prevent relapses. Changes to a patient's lifestyle can be hard work and difficult. 
to have a health professional checking in on a regular basis can be very helpful, reinforcing what is needed to make lasting change. This is especially true when the health professional has a complete history and knows your body well. The people around you can make a big difference as well. I believe the environment and the relationships the patient have has can be either conducive to healing or interfere. Support is so important in this phase of healing. If the patient needs to change their eating habits, then their significant other needs to help them by shopping for better groceries that will support the changes. Also, when the patient's struggling, they need to give the patient, people around them need to give the patient reassurance and encouragement. Often, bad habits develop early in life. The patient most likely emulated their parents and their choices. Also, doctors and health authorities only knew so much at the time, and some of the recommendations may not have had enough research. Do you remember when butter was bad for you and now it's good? What we know about health has really changed and evolved over the years. Only 40 years ago, smoking was not that bad for you. Now I'm gonna read for you the final chapter, chapter 38, which is the conclusion. We've skipped through some chapters in the book today just to give you a sample of uh, what the book is like and why I wrote those chapters. The conclusion summarizes basically what we've talked about in the book. And um, so I'm gonna read for you um, what I put in the conclusion right now. Chapter 38, Conclusion. Back pain is widespread with 80% of the population having back pain at least once in their life. And 40% of the population has it right now. I have seen thousands of patients over my 25 year career and have struggled, that have struggled with back pain. Patients have tried to cope and do their best with self-care, but most often have failed and have become discouraged and sometimes depressed with the pain and disability. Every patient is unique and needs their condition treated that way. A proper history, exam, and diagnosis are critical for success. A care plan that includes re-examinations, patient education, advice, and follow-up is vital for long-term success. Patients need to make lifestyle changes and be supported long-term to prevent relapses. The three phases of care in my clinic are relief, correction, and prevention, which includes maintenance care. Progressing through the phases allows the patient to become pain-free and get the ability to do the things they love to do again. I believe educating the patient about their specific condition and what the symptoms mean to give the patients a deeper understanding of what they need to do to correct the underlying problem. An educated patient is likely to become more success, successful at self-care in the future. The spine and spinal cord are critical for a person's health. It is the main highway of communication and electricity from the brain to all the cells, organs, and tissues in the body. Without the proper nerve flow, the body's weaker, can get tired and sicker. The sooner subluxations, spinal misalignments, and degeneration are caught and corrected, the better the patient will be because it gets harder to treat the longer the body's out of alignment. Wear and tear, degeneration, and arthritis damages the joints and minimizes nerve flow. But there is hope, even if other methods have failed, corrective chiropractic care and lifestyle changes may be the answer to your long-term health. I encourage you to call a corrective chiropractor in your area 
or contact me for help. I want to thank you for joining me today for this reading of Back Pain. It's, uh, I was really looking forward to doing this uh, reading this week. It's the first time I've done this, but I wanted to um, share that with you. I've watched some authors read their books on uh, apps like Masterclass, and I found that very um, interesting, maybe because I'm an author and I could connect with their process. So I wanted to share a little bit about the process with you today, as well as uh, read the chapters for you so you know what's in the book. If you want to grab the book, it is on Amazon. I have that up on the screen. You just have to type in Back Pain Carry Your Cue, and you'll see that book right there in the three formats, the Kindle, the audiobook, and the paperback edition. Um, if you're in the Kelowna area, feel free to uh, contact our clinic. I'd be happy to uh, uh, give you a copy at the clinic. And if you're interested in uh, the care that I talked about here in the book, and um, you have questions, feel free to reach out and contact me. Either um, we could see you in the clinic or I could refer you to a chiropractor in your area that could help you. So thanks for joining me today. I'm sure we'll do some future book readings again in the future. Uh, so keep your eyes uh, open for that. And uh, you can always go on Eventbrite on our page to see what our upcoming events are or just follow um, our website, carryyourq.com. Thanks so much, and um, I hope you guys have a wonderful day.